Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. I don't know, I don't know if you self-evaluate. Uh, I, I self-evaluate probably way more than I should, uh, but all of us, I think, ponder, okay, should I have done this better? Could I have been better at this? And we, we look at ourselves and we think, okay, have I reached my expectations? Am I above, below my expectations? Where is it? Uh, I, matter of fact, so often am, am so, so focused on where I am and who I am that I forget that there's a world around me that, that is, is also having the same thoughts. Uh, last week we, we said, as I'm going to say it again this morning, but I think a lot of us, we have these expectations and we might be below uh, our expectations, but usually we meet our expectations. Usually we just decide, okay, this is just who I am. I can't do any better than this. We use terms like it is what it is. Uh, how many of you guys use that term, it is what it is? Anybody last week, if you, it is what it is. Yeah. I'd like to invite you to stop doing that uh, because it actually can be better. It can be better. Or what can you do? How many of you have said, what can you do in the last week? What can you do? What can you do? There's so much you can do. So much you can do. Another one is, uh, this is just who I am. This is just who I am. You guys ever said that? This is just who I am. I'm just going by my nature. And we justify so much junk in our lives based on that of we just cannot change. The fact of the matter is, is that we can change. We can actually rise above. We can aim higher than societal expectations. And the expectation from Jesus to us as followers of his is that we would do better. We would be able to rise higher than our current uh, lifestyle that we've settled in. There is a difference. Uh, today's passage is uh, in Matthew chapter 5, and we'll pop it up here on the screen in just a moment. But Matthew 5 and 6 and 7 are what, we, what are called the, the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus preaching to uh, people. Uh, his apostles, yes, for sure, his disciples, but also a whole other group of people who were interested and just curious to see what Jesus was going to say. There's thousands of people listening to Jesus. Incredible. This was sort of the launch of his ministry as well. Jesus has appointed his disciples. He's chosen his disciples. And, and now he's sort of launching his ministry by saying, this is what we're going to do. That's really what the Sermon on the Mount uh, is. And uh, it's this launch of his ministry. And his entire sermon has this idea of you've heard it said, but I say. You hear this phrase all the way through his sermon. You've heard it said, but I say. And it's this idea that you've heard from the Pharisees and the teachers of the law uh, that you should do it this way. But I'm telling you, this is actually what the Bible says. This is how you should live. And that's really the sort of the context uh, the Pharisees and teachers of the law, uh, Jesus said, were to be good warnings, but not examples to follow. All right? I love what Sibylla says. If you know Sibylla, she says, you know, if you can't be a good example, at least be a good warning to people. A horrible warning. Right. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law were a great warning to people. And Jesus is saying that your righteousness, if you're a follower of Christ, needs to exceed that quote, righteousness of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. He motivates us throughout this sermon with incredible rewards. He says this, that blessed are you if you behave this way. 
Blessed are you if you follow me because the rewards are greater in heaven than you will have here. We're motivated by the rewards that only God can provide. Motivates us this way. And we shouldn't apologize for it. He says, I'm serving God because of the rewards that I have from him. Jesus says, here, follow me because my reward, my blessing is better than what you think you can ever get here. What Christ offers in the relationship we have with him and the intimacy we can have with him is greater than anything we could possibly get outside of him. He says, we are his witnesses. We are his ambassadors and therefore behave in this way. Uh, Matthew 5, verse 13, I want to show this to you. It says, he says this, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. And then he goes on to say in verse 14, you are the light of the world. Uh, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. One of the reasons why our righteous needs to exceed that of the Pharisees and teachers of the law is because we are salt and light. Salt which preserves, which also flavors. Uh, that's what we're to be. We're to be active, not isolated, not, not withdrawn from society, but the calling of God to follow him is a calling to be salt and to be light. Light, not only within ourselves, that Christ illuminates ourselves, but we also illuminate the world. We, we expose so that uh, people can be drawn to the truth. What a great motivation for us to, to have a righteousness that exceeds that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. To have a righteousness that is greater than what we see around us from society and cultural expectations that we would be salt and light. Great reason uh, to actually live a life of holiness and purity is because we are salt and light. And then Jesus in his sermon begins to roll out all the things that are his expectations that are different than the expectations that they were living with. Look at Matthew 5 with me. Um, first verse 20 says this, unless your righteousness exceeds out of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This clause is here. So listen, you need to exceed the righteousness of what you see around you because you want to be saved and you want to enjoy Jesus. You want to enjoy that relationship. Let me review some rewards. We want to have a righteousness that exceeds that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law because we want to be salt and light. We want to be as witnesses, but we also want to be saved. We want to experience the sweetness of knowing Christ personally, and we want to enjoy Christ. This is the rewards that are promised to us as we follow Christ. Matthew 5, verse 27 and verse 30, then he says, okay, in, in this area of your life, we're going to spend some time here. And this morning, I want us to look at this passage. This is, you're going to love this this morning. I know this is one that you never think about. This is something that never occurs to you. Here we go. Matthew 5, verse 27. You've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say, this is Jesus saying, but I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Yes, we are going there this morning. We're going to have this conversation. In the area of sexual temptation, the area of lust, in the area of what, what occupies the minds of most people all the time on the planet, Jesus is saying, you've heard it, you've heard society, you've heard it said, this is how you should behave. 
but I say this is how you should behave. So let's go there. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than your whole body be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Today we're going to be talking about plucking and cutting. All right. <laughs> Let me say it again. Plucking and cutting. All right. I hope we can keep your attention all the way through. Um, how do you deal with lust? You've heard that it was said, those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say that you, that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. This is in context. You realize that in comparison to the people he was referring to, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, these were people who had added a list of massive amounts of commandments to the Ten Commandments. The original, the original Ten Commandments, they've added another 600 interpretations of the original ten. He says of them as well that they would tie heavy burdens on people and expect more of them than actually God expects of them. This is the kind of righteousness that was not righteousness that was happening. Jesus is addressing all the ways in which culture and religious tradition did not love wealth. So as we look at this passage of lust, we need to see it in the perspective of that to lust is not to love well. And I'm going to try to break this down for you this morning. Lust steals. It's the opposite of love. It's the, it's the counterintuitive, it's the, it's, the, it's the opposite, complete, total opposite of what we're being asked to do, and that is to love. Lust takes for itself what is not given or owned. It steals. Not to mention the fact that lust often creeps out the recipient. It often makes them uncomfortable. They feel violated by just a look. I don't imagine there's anyone in this room who is not aware of what I'm talking about or maybe you have felt this and wonder, why, why am I feeling so creeped out right now? What's happening? I know you felt that way. Lust reduces people to sexual beings rather than respecting, respected children of God. Lust can be the instigator of actually real fear in others. It can cause people to run away from you. Although in your lust, you're hoping that someone will come to you, it actually repels them. Imagine with me, if you will, um, the statement, this idea, this concept, which is very popular statement, is that it's nothing wrong to do window shopping. Have you ever said that, or have you ever? Window shopping is fine, but, but not if it's a thief looking into your house. <laughs> have you been sitting in your house and you see someone looking into your house? Kind of doing a, a checklist of things that they're going to come back and get. Has it ever happened to you? It's, it's creepy. How does it impact you? Lust minimizes people to objects for your pleasure and not theirs. Lust is the opposite of love. Matthew 5 continues to say, If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it out. Pluck and cut, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that 
one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Now, when people read this, they're saying, well, this is why I'm not a Christian, because uh, I don't believe in, you know, cutting, gouging my eyes out, cutting my arms off. And I submit to you this morning that this passage is a, is a hyperbole. Uh, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's not an actual request from God that we pluck our eyes out and cut our arms off. It's hyperbole. Maybe you've heard of hyperbole before. This is hyperbole. And if you don't know what hyperbole is, but it's an extreme exaggeration to make a point, uh, which I think we can all relate to. Have you ever said this? I'm so hungry I could eat a horse. Anybody? But have you, have any of you ever eaten a whole horse? <laughs> this is a great one from today. He ghosted me. What does that mean? <laughs> is, that, is that actually a fact? No, it's a, it's a hyperbole. When they met, there were fireworks in their eyes. Can you just... That'd be amazing if that were literal. Here's another one. That relationship cost me an arm and a leg. Or an eye and a hand. I've not found anyone who interprets this passage as a literal translation that we should actually literally pluck out our eye, and cut our hands off. But there is this invitation from Jesus to be very, very intentional about dealing with this problem in our lives. In, in some traditions, in religious traditions, there is this, this uh, self-torture, as you will, or, or uh, harming our body to, to avoid sin. Uh, in, in different religions, uh, Muslims, in the Shia Muslim faith, there's a ritual of chains and razors. I don't even want to know what all they do with chains and razors. But uh, our society here, uh, and very often our student population, will cut themselves when they're dealing with pain. We, we understand this of harming our bodies to, to avoid sin. But it doesn't work. Harming yourself physically does not keep you from lusting. If you pluck out one eye, you still have the other eye. And I can tell you, as a man and as a woman, and I can't relate to being a woman because I am not, but I, as a human being... If you have one eye left, you're going to use it. And you're going to use this other hand as well. Physical harm does not actually in any way keep you from lusting. There has to be a, a change of heart. So what do you do to deal radically with lust? What do you do? How do you deal radically? I think the invitation in Scripture here is to deal radically. Uh, not inviting us to violence, but to deal radically with this problem. And it is a problem. And there's an expectation that those who know Christ behave differently. And that there is a transformation that's taken place in their life. The expectation is not that once you are a follower of Christ that you are exactly like everyone else in the world. No, you've been trained, you've been transformed, you've been invited to a new walk with Christ. And Christ actually literally changes the way we operate, the way we function. But if you will this morning, if you... Walk with me and count, let's count the cost of failure in the area of lust. Let's, let's count the cost of lust. Lust uh, pushes us into isolation, into loneliness, into a dysfunctional world. In our world today, it's, 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 it's been the fuel that produces uh, the, the sex industry uh, and, and sex, sex slavery, which is a, an enormous problem in our world today. It's probably at its greatest height than ever in, ever in history. 
where because people followed lust, lives are being destroyed. I'd like to invite you this morning just to walk with me a little bit through the, the, the chemical process in our brain, and I'm, I'm not going to labor on this because uh, it, you won't remember the words in any case, but uh, let me just work with you here. Why did God make us this way? You know, if we go back to my introduction this morning where I said it is what it is, this is how we are, this is how we're made, why are we designed like this? With these enormous, enormous, powerful uh, attractions to, to each other. What, what is that? Well, it's, it's guaranteed that the world is continuing to grow. The population continues to grow because of, of this thing that God has placed in us. God has placed this enormous power in every human being. But, but within the context, the only way it can be safely administered is in the context of a family. In the context of relationship. And in, in, God's, in God's perspective, in the context of marriage. This power is to come together to unite two people into family. It's, it's powerful in that it can bring people together. The only safe setting for all of these chemicals that God has placed in us, these endogenous chemicals, meaning these are chemicals that produce within based on decisions we make, these endogenous chemicals and hormones actually are secreted in our bodies uh, to great effect. And we very often chase these in, in ways that are, that are damaging and, and destructful to our lives instead of in the context of how God designed these endogenous uh, chemicals to be released in our body. Uh, people who study this talk about a narrowing process that when you first meet somebody, uh, there's these, you're, you have all of, all of these things and stimuli that are around you. You meet a person and you, uh, uh, if you're interested in somebody, possibly you will be able to pick that person out of a crowd and then you make a beeline for this person. We've all been there before, right? You, work, you still with me, church? Uh, and we, we sort of figure out a way where we can start a conversation with this individual, but it begins with the whole world around and then we focus on one person and then we narrow that relationship we narrow the scope smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and so then finally once there's marriage and there's this physical encounter it is narrowed down to its smallest part and it said it's a very explosive uh, uh, amount of chemicals that come together to unite these two people in an amazing, incredible relationship. And it is God's beautiful gift to us, done in the context of his rules. And it leads to this incredible feeling of, of what is released, oxytocin, which actually creates this, this, this uh, feeling of safety. Uh, maybe you're familiar with dopamine. Dopamine actually... Uh, is, is an endogenous uh, secretion that creates extremely focused attention, unwavering motivation. Once that dopamine is focused, man, you are determined. You are going to meet this person. Uh, then there's uh, neuropinephrine. Neuropinephrine is, is this uh, like natural adrenaline that creates this searing memory that you, you have an unforgettable experience. This is, this is burned into your brain, and you will never forget it. And then testosterone is released as well, which is in both male and female, which is this triggering feelings of positive energy and well-being. And then oxytocin, which is finally the, 
what's called the, the joyful brain chemical, oxytocin, which is that feeling of, ah, oh, this is my family. Oh, I am loved and I love. And it's, it is part of every healthy relationship, oxytocin released. Then there's serotonin. This natural chemical is released right after climax, bringing a deep feelings of calmness, satisfaction, and release from stress. The problem is, is that when, when all of this takes place that God has given us outside of God's plan, there are other, uh, there are other problems and, and other chemicals that are released that are attached to shame, that are attached to anger. And there's this enormous, confusing, uh, what, what some doctors call an erototoxin takes place in your body where uh, instead of being left with joy and excitement and family, you're left more alone than you were before when this is done outside of God's channels. And so lust leads to uh, a, a very dangerous place. Lust can lead also to this idea of fight or flight uh, where there, there's this adrenal gland then begins to release cortisol. Cortisol, which is a released with great anxiety and anxiousness. And ultimately, cortisol will destroy your body. So, in summary, <laughs> it's better to pluck and cut and, and, and to do whatever it takes to deal with this issue of our lives and to allow this incredible gift from God to be done as he planned it to be done. We've been designed to where this enormous gift that's been given to us is to be within the context of marriage. It's only in marriage when the, the joyful side of these chemicals is released. It's only in marriage and in that kind of relationship where there's sweetness. And, and that just grows. Oxytocin just continues to grow and grow and grow in that context. Lust can lead to this idea of playing with fire, right? It burns. None of us have been able to play with fire until we burn. We need to declare war on this. Uh, and thus, the idea of plucking and cutting, we need to declare war. Uh, one theologian said that we need to be violent about this. <laughs> we need to deal with lust with violence. Uh, I don't recommend that because it has so many other meanings here, but I would recommend that you deal with it with intensity and invest in relationships that could lead to physical intimacy in marriage, Marriage is the only safe place for this powerful force. But also, too, that we would invest in relationships that are not headed towards physical intimacy because the good news is that oxytocin can be released as well in relationships that are not physical. The thing you've always longed for is possible outside of a physical relationship. And so I would invite you this morning to consider that one reason why you would, you would refrain from lust is that you would choose something better outside of lust. I just want to share with you this morning uh, what I believe to be a, a, an endemic problem in the church, and that is that we approach Christianity from the perspective of that once I come to faith, I'm now just going to live my life trying to avoid as much sin as possible. And that is, that is the whole sum total definition of your faith, is that as I follow Christ, my job is, my only job is to avoid sin. I just want to say to you, church, this morning that that is not a way to live. If that is your definition of your faith, you will always be bored. 
you will never be satisfied, and you will not overcome temptation. The invitation to follow Christ is not just to avoid sin, but it is to enjoy Him. The way that we are successful in dealing with lust is that we have a better alternative. We have Christ and Christ living in us. We cherish Him as the only way we can effectively overcome this temptation that is in every human being and if you it's not there yet it will be there but this temptation is huge and it's a part of our society we we have a very overly sex obsessed society that we live in and it is destroying us it is destroying our families it is destroying this world and so what's the alternative is God inviting us this morning just to avoid sin? Or is he inviting us to enjoy him? I submit to you that really is the key, is that as we cherish him, as we enjoy him, then we are able to avoid sin. Why do we pluck and cut? Why are we so determined to deal with this huge area of our lives? is so that we can enjoy Him. Galatians 6, verse 7 and 10, Paul says this, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for, whoever, for whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap what? Corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap what? Eternal life. Let me just pause here for a moment. This is the invitation. We avoid sin so we can enjoy Him. And in Him there is life. Lust lies to us. Lust says, man, if I could just get that, I'm going to have joy. Jesus says, no, avoid that. True joy is only in Christ. This morning, if you've not experienced that sweetness of Jesus Christ, just trust me, it's amazing, it's incredible. I want to invite you to experience that joy. There's nothing like it. Verse 9, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. There's this, this teaching all through the New Testament of you've got to keep working at it. You've got to keep fighting for it. And so this idea of plucking and cutting, this idea of being serious about this area of our life is important so that we can achieve this deep relationship with Christ. Again, Paul, I, I think um, when he wrote this, uh, it was from a deep place in his heart. Ephesians 3, Ephesians 3, verse 14. He's writing to the church of Ephesus, and he's concerned about them that they would understand what it's all about. He says this, when I think of, when I think of this, and, and if you read back in Ephesians 3 and earlier, it's, he says, when I think of the, the incredible salvation that we have through Jesus Christ, that's the preamble, and then here he says, when I think of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you do what? Trust in Him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. This, the secret of strength in the area of this temptation of lust is 
to root deeply in the love of Christ. As we invest in Him and intimacy with Him only is how we can overcome this. But how not just overcome, but we can enjoy. We can enjoy Christ. Again, if you're understanding of Christianity that is just avoiding sin, I submit to you that that is not in any way all that God is promising us. I would invite you to a deeper life, to a more exciting life, to a life of joy that's only found in Christ. What a horrible life. Your entire life just trying to avoid sin? How boring is that? We know we're in this trap when you ask somebody, who just gave their life to Christ. I heard you just gave your life to Christ. Yes, I did. So what are you going to do now? What's your plan now? Well, I'm just going to stop going to parties. I'm going to have to, you know, disconnect from friends. I'm going to have to sort of isolate myself and and avoid all of that. Is that that it? That's the sum total of your life? Now that you've given your life to Christ, what a horrible life. That's your only plan is to disconnect from your rowdy friends? Could it be there's something more out there? Could it be that as we walk with a living God, God is living, He's not dead? When we give our lives to Christ, we are entering into a relationship with a living God who is constantly moving and walking with us, and we begin to then enjoy Him. It's not that we've left our life of sin only. We are moving into life in Christ. Paul says that we would root deeply in the love of Christ. Paul says in his prayer, may you have the power to understand, as all of God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. The invitation For you is that you would understand just how deep and how wide, how incredible the love of God is. Not just that you would avoid sin. Why does Jesus say, don't lust? Deal seriously with this is because when we park at lust, we miss him. We miss him. And so stop lusting. Go for something better. Go for something better. Life is more than avoiding sin. It is about enjoying Jesus. Be intentional. Go to war against lust. Be intentional about your relationship with Christ. Every meaningful endogenous chemical can be experienced outside of sexual intimacy. So all of those things you're chasing, all those chemicals, all those highs you're chasing can be found outside of sexual intimacy. It can be found in Christ. That oxytocin you want so bad, you can find it in Jesus. Maybe many of you this morning didn't even know you were chasing oxytocin. Well, welcome. (laughs) New word. Christ says that one should be violent in removing temptations towards sexual sin. We need to move away from this. I would also encourage you this morning to enlist soldiers to fight with you. Ask people to be your accountability friends. You know, get friends who actually help you in this area of your life. Get friends in your life who who will help you with the way you speak, the way you talk, the things you look at. Hold each other accountable. But not just 
don't just enter accountable relationships. Enjoy relationships that you enjoy. Nurture relationships that will lead you to, to laughter, lead you to joy. Uh, there, there's something incredible that happens when you're with people that you really, really enjoy. All of a sudden, so many of those temptations that you had before you were with that person, just they just vanish. I don't know if you've experienced this before. When you're in the moment of enjoying somebody, enjoying your family, and you're all laughing, whatever, all those things that you were being tempted by when you were by yourself, all of a sudden have vanished, and you're just enjoying these people. God invites us to those relationships uh, that will pull us away from destructive behavior, lust, leads you to destruction. Lust is selfish. God invites us to move from lust to true love. And, and this satisfaction can only be found in him. So guard your hearts, bound your eyes, embrace a new culture, get accountability, enter into a relationship with people that are healthy relationships. And then this morning, I'm going to ask you to have mercy. If you look around this room today, and don't look too closely because you don't want to call people out, but you can all look at somebody in this room that you know has struggled in this area. Maybe you should just look at yourself. But if we look around this room, all of us have struggled in some way with some temptation of some sin. You know, separate the sexual temptation. Everyone has all kinds of temptations, whether it's to be angry, whether it's to, to steal, to lie, whatever it is, whatever temptation is, all of those are there. The alternative, though, is that we can invest in enjoying Jesus Christ. In all of these temptations, God invites us to enjoy him. And so we need to have mercy on each other. All of us have sinned in this room. There's not a single person that you know that has not sinned. The Bible says it very clearly. All have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. It's only Christ that can transform us and change us. So as we talk about lust this morning, we don't talk about it with a, pointing, with a pointed finger. We're not saying you should be better like us. No. We're saying we need to be better because we can in Christ. Let's do this together. Let's together as family walk with Christ. Let's hold each other accountable for our good, not for our destruction, but for our good. When we don't lust and we invest in Christ, it's for our good. It builds us up. It makes our life better, but let's have compassion on each other. Let's have mercy for each other. 1 John 1 says this, 8 and 9, if we say we have no sin, we do what? We deceive ourselves. There's not a single person in this room that has not sinned in some capacity, in some way. Matter of fact, you may have sinned five minutes ago. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, right, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This morning you're invited. Say, okay, I want it, God. Here, I bring it to you. And God will forgive you. We need to have mercy because Christ has mercy on us. Christ has mercy. And then James 5. Let's enter into conversations with each other to build each other up. It says this. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Verse 16, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. I would encourage you this morning, yes, to stop lusting, to pluck and cut. Yes, amen, hallelujah. Yes, work hard at it. 
because of all the incredible benefits of a life lived in Christ. Jesus invites us to these blessings. Not just to avoid sin, but to enjoy Him. So yes, invite. You're invited, and you need to invite your friends who are sitting in a complete, desperate world of, of self-incrimination and judgment and shame is to invite them to this Savior who forgives. Not because of what they've done, but because of what He's done on the cross. And we need to be compassionate and merciful to each other. And we need to actively invite each other to Christ. In that regard, we are salt and light. Let us be true salt and light as we lead people to the Father who will make us successful in this area of cutting and plucking. Our righteousness must exceed that of everything we see in society. We're invited to enjoy Him. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank You for this gift. Lord, of our sexuality, Father, that's been given to us to be within marriage, uh, to build family. And Lord, thank you for this great gift. But Father, we ask that you would give us strength today to be able to, to operate properly in this area. Lord, you've asked us to be set apart, to be different than what society expects. Lord, we know that's only possible through your love and through your grace. Lord, we thank you this morning for your Lord, for your death on the cross and your resurrection. Lord, that you are alive today that we can enjoy you. And Lord, you invite us to you. Lord, have mercy on us, Father. And Lord, help us walk with us patiently, Father, as we walk this road. And for many, a very difficult road of temptation and struggle. Lord, be patient with us. And Lord, continue to walk us, to pull us towards you so that we would understand the sweetness of knowing you. Now, we praise you because in you, Father, there's, oh, there's nothing greater. And we thank you for the joy you give us, Father. In your name I pray, amen. Let's stand together. Let's worship together. This is Rico Veca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today. And it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.